And that was the Fireballs ending to ACDC Bag, taking place June 15th at Big Cat in Chuku, Osaka, Japan. And welcome everybody to episode 76 of the Daily Soundcheck. I'm your host, Mike Lon Memo Minio. Hope everybody's been doing great, enjoying this series. This is part three of our deep dive into Japan of 2000. And I have Mr. Miner, Dave Calarco, back with me for the third time. And we're pretty excited to bring you another incredible show from over there in Japan. But before we get into that, just a few things real quick. Make sure you're following me over on Twitter at Lawn Memo. I do most of my updates there, a bunch of other stuff. You can find updates to all my projects there. I'm currently almost finishing up one project that I'm running called Memo 365. I've been giving a different recommendation on a different artist every day for almost an entire year. You can find all that on Spotify under the playlist Memo 365. It's a really cool thing. I learned a lot doing it and people have been really digging it. I'm also running a fish-related thing that I'm calling Memo Sections, where I'm giving out different jams that I've clipped out. So let's say I think, you know, 9-minute mark to 12-minute mark of a twist is really cool. I'm clipping that out. I have a full SoundCloud playlist going of that, a spreadsheet. I'm almost up to 60 sections already. So I've been doing that almost every day, depending on how much time I have. So if you're into crazy good fish jams, I got you covered. Hit me up. I'll link you over to that. I'm going to be starting a new project probably in the fall, so pay attention to that. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. It's going to be super cool. The Daily Soundcheck is a proud partner of the Osiris Podcast Network, which you can find over at OsirisPod.com. We're also partnered up with Jambase, who does an amazing job. All kinds of different podcasts being released. There's a new Eric Krasno one. There's one that's covering uh, the New Orleans Jazz Fest and how it's been affected and, and it's really just launched today. They're doing some great stuff over there. So follow Osiris. We're doing some really cool stuff, trying to keep uh, everybody entertained while there's no live music to go see. If you are looking to check out our website, we're at thedailysoundcheck.com. Links to iTunes, Spotify. If you want to support the pod, there's an option to donate, subscribe, whatever you want to do. That's, a, that's there as an option for you over at thedailysoundcheck.com. All of our pictures that we've posted for all 76 episodes, that's the best way to check us out. So let's get to today's podcast because it's a great one. And again, I have Dave Calarco, Mr. Miner, with me in his third part of this series. He's going to be on one more time. We're going to talk a lot about this incredible show at Big Cat We've got some awesome jams to play for you, and then a really hilarious sound check at the end. And just one last thing, I've seen some of you guys and ladies giving me some love on fish.net, on Twitter, hitting up the pod, and you know, really spreading things word of mouth, and I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate that. I usually end up, it makes its way over to me, and I notice that, and I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate all that. So if you're, you want to give us a review on whatever outlet you're listening to the Daily Soundcheck, that's real cool for us. Okay, all the accounting's done. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. So let's talk with Dave Calarco, Mr. Miner, as we break down June 15, 2000, Big Cat at Chuko, Osaka, Japan. So welcome back. I'm very, very happy to have, for the third time on the Daily Soundcheck, officially being the most... Uh, the biggest guest ever that we've had the first time three timer is Dave Calarco and Mr. Miner on Twitter and at fishthoughts.com. 
Dave, welcome back to our third part. How you doing, buddy? Thank you. Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Great to hear. I'm the most prevalent guest on your podcast of all time. I like to hear. Yeah, it. yeah you're the man, man. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we're we're back here to talk about another incredible show and third in a row. So it's so crazy. I mean, you talked about in this in the first episode how these are just back to back to back days. It's so crazy when you sit, sit there and I'm like, okay, yesterday the first, the other episode was June 14th. This is June 15th. Yeah. So, so all these days in a row, this is our third in a row that you and I have covered. Right. So we're at Big Cat and yep. that's in Osaka, Japan. So why don't you maybe give a quick rundown of where you were at after the insane show that we covered yeah. at, at Drum Logos. No doubt. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting as we go on and on in the Japan run, uh, my memories of like the days before the show get a little hazier and hazier, as you might imagine. Don't fully remember the train ride down, but I know we got there. And as kind of I mentioned for the Fukuoka show, the first real memories I have of the day are kind of getting to the club, to the area outside the club. Um, Big Cat was downtown Osaka, like in a very you know urban, bustling area. Uh, the show, similar to the Nagoya show that we talked about a couple episodes ago, was on the fourth floor of a building which was called the Big Step, uh, interestingly enough. So I guess the Big Cat riffs off that. But there was definitely a lot of excitement coming into this show based on what had happened the night before in Fukuoka. Uh, a lot of the people had already gotten a chance to listen to it with the DAT tapes. Um, I personally hadn't. I, I was taping it through a friend, but I guess I probably wasn't rolling with the portable speaker at that time and had not gotten around to listening to it. But I do remember talking to some people who had already listened to it. And, uh, you know, people were very, very high on the night before and uh, were still feeling that energy for sure. So this is kind of something we could touch on. So, you know, after a show like that, and certainly this is a good instance of an incredible show and there's, you know, shows that we've seen even in, in this era where they throw down, maybe they throw down a monster on a Friday or Saturday night. How are you feeling going in? Do you think that they can rematch those heights? Are you like, oh, that's definitely the show of the run? Or, you know, how do you, how does your attitude uh, flow, you know, with this show and even other shows like that? Um, You know, back then, I feel like it was a situation where they were they were playing really well at this time, you know, and you know, we just mentioned the four previous shows or so, like they've been really kind of throwing down huge jams. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was a, a thought about, you know, is tonight going to be as good or are they going to do something crazier? But like, you just had this vibe in Japan at that time that like they were in a zone and, you know, you weren't really necessarily thinking about what was going to come or what was going to happen but you just got the sense that it was going to be huge, you know? Um, and, and if I think about today, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I try not to like build anything up beyond the moment, you know, just try to stay, stay present, stay in the moment, you know, after years and years of seeing the band, you know, some shows go huge, some goes not as huge. It's just, I guess I don't really think about it as much uh, in present day. Uh, going after a huge show to the next show. It's it's just kind of the next day, you know, and like yeah. 
that night before exists as this incredible memory and uh it's kind of untouchable in a way and it's it's like it's unique thing and then you know you enter the doors for the next night and it's behind you and and you know whatever's going to happen is going to happen so do you remember where you were for the big cat show or any kind of vivid memories you have of that night yeah so i remember that it was a very bare bones room um you got in there and much like the first tokyo show that i described on the first episode we did uh it was basically just a square room there were like no partitions no levels it was basically just a square room about a little bigger than drum logos i believe the capacity was about seven to eight hundred people um there were slightly more Americans than there had been in Fukuoka and Nagoya, I guess, because, you know, there were more Americans living in Osaka that were probably interested in just coming for the night that maybe weren't going to all the shows. So there was a slightly more of a balance between Americans and Japanese, obviously still far more Japanese fans. And uh, I remember I was kind of near the back of the room. It was really crowded, um, like really crowded. I remember it being really, really crowded. And uh, so much so that it was like a little hectic for the first set to like kind of find a place to get settled. I also remembered before the show, and this is just like one of those indelible memories that a um, bunch of Japanese fans had brought in tons of balloons and had blown up like hundreds of balloons and like had filled the room with these balloons that everyone was just like inundated with. Um, it was it was funny. Not filled with nitrous. No nitrous, no. Okay. No, no nitrous, no actual balloons that they are okay. just like just setting an atmosphere, you know? Okay. But there were like all over the place. They were like falling all over you. It was funny. It was, it's fun. It was funny to see them get into like creating a vibe like that, you know? Um, it, it was, it was cool to see. But uh, in terms of the, the room, it was really pretty nondescript. Yeah. Do you, uh, I, you had mentioned that like in one of our previous conversations that mushrooms were kind of prevalent and, and yeah. legal at the time. Yeah. Do you happen to remember what, like what the drinking scene was like just for my own curiosity? Was it um, like beer or drinks or, you know, what was, was there sake? Uh, you yeah. Know? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was not drinking. I don't really drink and specifically never drank at fish. shows, so I don't really know. I don't remember being, a huge drinking scene, uh, you know, I mean, it's just a cultural difference. I think if people were having drinks, it was very tasteful and mellow. It's not like yeah. a situation like America where people are having <laughs> drinks, everyone's having drinks with them, you know? Okay. Um, so I don't remember specifically, but it was certainly not obtrusive in any way to the show. You know, it wasn't like a drunk scene, but there were bars. I'm sure people were having drinks, you know, I don't remember any specifics though so anything else you want to touch on before we get into this pretty awesome show or um no i don't think so that's pretty much what i got in terms of like pre-show vibe yeah it's like another day another show another city is a pretty pretty wild run at this point yeah just another day after one of the greatest shows in fish <laughs> history you know just one yeah, of those days definitely <laughs> So they kick things off uh, starting out with NICU, which is, you know, I, when I listened back to the show the other day, I noticed, you know, just how great NICU sounds back during this time frame and what it sounds like now is a, a, a big contrast to me. So it felt good to hear that. And then 
just a breakneck version of Chalk Dust Torture. I couldn't believe the speed it was played at. Yeah, and you know what was cool about, and I remember about these shows and, you know, this show specifically, you know, with the dominant Japanese crowd at these shows, like, there weren't any, like, quote-unquote filler songs because most of these people had never really seen Fish before this run, you know? And so they were as excited to hear NICU as they were to hear Tweezer. Like, it was created a really cool energy to these shows is that, like, you know, there was never a point where the communal energy dipped because they were playing a specific song or a song that maybe wasn't going to jam or maybe, like, me personally didn't want to hear for any reason, you know? The the energy in the room around anything they played was just so high and joyous during these shows that was really kind of infectious to everybody. That's a cool point, and and I can totally get that. I mean, I'm sure maybe half of these fans never got to see Fish again, so they got one chance to see an ICU. That was their NICU, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if if you like uh, some speed, the Chalk Dust is a good one to check out. And then they follow that up with a really slow and groovier ACDC bag, which runs around 11 minutes. And I think that's a nice contrast between the speed going into Chalk Dust and then the ACDC bag. And this has that kind of Japan 2000 you know, sound to it. Yeah, definitely. They loosen up, kind of slow things down and, and start to improvise a little bit within the structure of the bag. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Definitely has got a Japan vibe to it. And then from there, we get to Uncle Pen, which kind of gives another interesting breather. So three stark contrasts right in a row. Mm-hmm. And then we get just an unbelievable star of the first set and star of the run. I'm kind of partial to this song. I have a whole blog on it and this <laughs> This song would be Ghost. Yeah. And I'll let you start before I jump in on that. So let me let me get your thoughts on maybe what you felt at the time, if you remember, and kind of your thoughts on the Ghost now. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, first and foremost, it was the first version they played since Radio City, which, you know, I think you and I agree upon, you know, the greatest version of all time. And so that alone created a, a huge sense of... Uh, you know, anticipation when they started the song. Yeah, it did not disappoint. It's it's a pretty fucking awesome version, man. Um, it hits on multiple different vibes. They get into this really slick, like almost disco type grooving at the beginning that kind of harkens back or echoes the Radio City version a little bit. And then as it seems like they're going to start peeking into like a more traditional ghost jam, Trey hits like this more circular melodic vibe that... Uh, he starts to build around and the whole jam just takes off to a completely euphoric place that was not common for ghost jams at that time. You know, like this day and age after like many, many years of 3.0 fish ghost has very often gone to these like very melodic and blissful peaks. But back then that's just not what the song did. And this was in a sense, almost like a, archetypal version like almost like one of the first if not the first that really just like takes this direction and and blows it out i'm impressed dave uh you pretty much summed up my entire blog in like three (laughs) sentences there man that was really really good actually 
so, I mean, I wrote a lot of words about a lot of different ghosts, and I think you covered a lot of that right there. So I agree with you. This ghost is one of my all-time favorites. I think it's easily, you know, in the very upper tier. And it, if you told me this is your favorite ghost, I would not think you're crazy. Yeah, and right. when I did the ghost blog, and I was doing it every day, this was the version, this in Portland Meadows, when I wrote up the reviews that got the most buzz. A lot of people hadn't heard those two versions and really and really broke them down. And it, it's still prevalent with the Japan run. Like as we're doing these, you know, a lot of people are checking some of this out for the first time. You know, you get you get the attendance bias. A lot of people, you know, don't listen, haven't listened to shows that they weren't at, you know, and, and that's always going to be a thing. So this when I posted this ghost, people were like, holy shit, what the hell is this? And that's awesome. it was very cool and very rewarding. And you know, I agree with you. And I think, you know, we're going to play two different clips from this. We're going to play, as Dave was talking about, the the groove part of this ghost, which is incredible. And I, I, I almost like that section as much as the incredible hose peak that comes at the end. Both are really great, in my opinion. Yeah. But the hose peak, like, last eight or nine minutes, you said, like, Trey finds that that circular groove. I mean, it's like nine minutes of peaking fish. Like there's there's some peaks that maybe peak harder and they may go like a minute or two that he just, you know, flips the switch. But this is like a, a crescendo build that mm -hmm. there's not a lot of versions like this that yeah. have this strong of a peak for that long. Like just kind of the the only one that kind of you know, comes to mind for me is like the Reading disease has like a super long six to seven minute kind of move like this, mm -hmm. um, you know, from 2013. That kind of reminds me of this. This I like better, but. You know, it is an incredible ghost and to come in the first set, like right in the middle. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's like they kind of, uh, you know, needed a minute to kind of decompress from the night before. And then as soon as they're ready, boom, it's like straight to the moon. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I always in my review, I hearken this to the full cliche climbing up like a ski lift like it's this. It starts climbing all the way, all the way, and then all of a sudden somebody hits fast forward and it just flies to the top. And that's <laughs> how I always envision the last six or seven minutes of this. So this is Ghost from Osaka and Big Cat.
Okay, so that was pretty friggin' awesome. And what I like even more coming out of this is one of my favorite songs, Follow Suit. And out of that blissful peak is a great call, in my opinion, Frankie Says. And Frankie Says is never been played that much ever since it has been brought into the Fish repertoire. And I'm, I love it here after that blissful peak. And it's so cool. I, you know, these audience recordings, Dave, by the way, are incredible. I don't know if you've been thinking the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the rooms are just tiny, you know, and so there's not a lot of space that the music was traveling between, you know, the speakers of the stage and the microphones. And so, yeah. And as we've mentioned previously, like the audiences, the crowds were super quiet. And so, you know, the combination of those factors definitely lends to some amazing audio recordings. And and you and you can hear the things you were talking about before about how excited everybody is. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a moment in the Frankie says where it kicks in where people realize what is actually they're playing. You know, it's that one second because you know when they don't play a song as often. You know, sometimes it takes a quick second to remember. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, Frankie says. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it in the tape, and I love that. Like, oh, oh man, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> so it's a really cool version. It just sounds to me like the perfect song in the perfect room with the perfect vibe at the perfect time. Like it just, I can feel the energy in the version of Frankie says, which is, it gives me chills. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a, you know, classic fish maneuver to like follow up a big jam with a, you know, as they say, like a cool down song or, you know, more mellow song. And this is a great choice at this time. And then we finish out. Oh, actually after that is divided sky. And if you want to talk about big, cheers on the audience recording oh my gosh when when it started i got chills like people lost their mind yeah i agree i was actually listening to this in the car today and i noticed the same thing and i don't think you know i I went back and was looking and you know it wasn't necessarily a rarity but they didn't play divided sky all that much back at this time period um you know handful of times maybe a couple handfuls of times throughout a year maybe but it wasn't necessarily like in the rotation uh, as hardcore as it is these days. And so I think that's also part of it. But I, you know, I think it also goes back to what we said at the beginning with NICU. Like this is the first time people are hearing this like seminal composition of fish that, uh, you know, they've listened to and have loved and, you know, weren't necessarily even going to get a chance to hear over the Japan run. And so I think the excitement is like, you know, many fold on, on all those levels. It was certainly Divided Sky was certainly a song that helped get me into fish and and brought my appreciation of the band to another level. So I remember those days when I heard it for the first time and I I screamed like those people in Japan that night. Yeah, yeah. So fish, it, fish opened up my first show I ever went to with Divided Sky. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, so it, it's a cool little audience clip there. And then they closed the set with Farmhouse, which. You know, I sometimes I will skip over Farmhouse if I'm in a recording, but for these shows, I really wanted to get the whole vibe. And I like this in the closer slot because the outro solo from Trey is absolutely gorgeous. I was very impressed with this Farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were uh, they were using it as a set closer at this time. You know, it was uh, the title track of their new album. And, you know, I, they generally try to play those songs bit more during the tours around the albums and i feel like they were using farmhouse as a closer a bit if my memory serves correct and so that closes set one and then we'll go into set two which we start off with plenty to talk about 
And Dave and I have been texting back and forth as we've been kind of coming up with ideas and, and getting our thoughts on this show before we record. And I can tell you that Dave had a lot of text to me about this down with disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a monster gonna... version, man. It's like, it's really something else. So you take it, man. This down with disease is your baby. You tell me anything you want about what you think about this disease. All right, sure. Well, first, a little context around it. Uh, it's, it's smack in the middle of like this run of five incredible disease versions, starting with Big Cypress, you know, right after midnight, and then Radio City. Uh, the first night of Radio City was a 20-plus minute version, and then we talked about a little bit, big, uh, excuse me, the Zep version, which was the second night of Tokyo. That opened up that show with like another 20-plus minute version. Uh, and then we have this one, which is close to 30 minutes. And then they get back to the States. And the first one they play is at Lakewood Amphitheater on the 23rd. And interestingly enough, I kind of like that one kind of like got lost in my memory until a couple years ago. Or for some reason, I listened to it. It's super sick. And so this big cat is like the fourth out of five really good versions of uh, disease. And, you know, this might be the this might be the most exploratory of all of them, to be honest. It's really one, it's, you know, we mentioned last time about different types of fish jams. And this is one of those uh, that have several distinct sections to it. And uh, this one has three very distinct sections. Um, first one being, you know, more conventional rock and roll diseased jam where Trey's kind of wailing and it's a lot of his, uh, 99 2000 tone with like those really loud almost distorted sheets of sound just like very guitar centric music and then they kind of like completely switch gears into this more rhythmic groove that uh kind of like suggests a cross-eyed rhythm throughout and it's this it's this type of groove that as you and i mentioned uh in a conversation is kind of comes up previously in the year before in 99 and some really big jams, specifically the uh, Portland Meadows Ghost and the Boise Bag. It's like the same kind of rhythmic rhythmic bed to the jam in each of these uh, sections and uh, gets completely different from the first section and is really, as I said, a groove part. And then a couple minutes after that, or don't exactly know the time frame. Mike picks up this like really heavy bass line and the band just shifts gears into some of the most demented abstract psychedelia that like you'll hear from the band. And, um, you know, it's really, in my opinion, in that section that like everything really kind of comes together and pays off. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, some some jams like click right off the bat and they're into like crazy music you know, minutes into the jam. This one, they moved through a few different sections and then about, I don't know, probably like 20 minutes into the jam or something, they hit on this music that, uh, you know, I've kind of always thought in my head, like it's kind of like this like Adam's Family, like on acid music, which is just like fucking like demented, like haunted house madness it's really cool. And then from there, they kind of eventually come into this like several minutes of like very patient, ambient, like Japan type jamming to kind of come to the end of the jam. 
And so it's really this multifaceted adventure um, of the highest order. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty it's pretty freaking awesome. It is one of my favorite jams as well. Like you heard me gush about the ghost, and I texted Dave, and I'm like, "It's that ghost is probably not even the best jam of the night." So they they play one of the best ghosts ever, and this disease just it trumps it. I mean, it's just got everything. And like you said, I actually, I, we didn't talk about this, but I have in my notes that it almost hits cross-eyed and painless at the 1330 mark. So yeah, yeah. They, they, they hit that, that, that groove that we're talking about that they do yeah. in the second version, the second uh, part of this jam and in those previous jams in 99, it's got a very, very cross-eyed vibe to it, specifically the rhythm, like the bass and the drums. Yeah. It's, I've always thought that when they played those, when they played those sections of improv. So let's um, that's a good spot for us to drop a little clip from that section. So this is going to be kind of right where that cross eyed picks up where we're talking and you'll hear this awesome kind of rock and groove, which I love. This is dancing music for for me right here. I love this stuff. So this is like uh, about 1330.
like Dave brought up that that groove is there and then they go to the demented evil fish and we got to play about probably five minutes of that because it's it's incredible stuff this is stuff that you don't hear in other jams this is unique unique yeah it's as creative as fish gets right here it's just like you know one of those sections of music that they've never played anything before or after that sounds anything like this it's a moment in time i really love about it is how evil and weird it gets but it still has like a rocking backbone like it kind of doesn't completely lose what it had built before it's not just noises all over the place it's got yeah so but you know there's there's sections of fish where it gets evil and they make weird noises and it's just kind of this you know it's quiet and ambient and you know minimal but this has got like a whole backbone going to it yeah and i think that's why it's so special um, and and wonderful so let's play a good clip of the end of this incredible disease
Okay. So, Dave, we got that covered. Is that good for you? Yeah, it's great. It's just such an awesome section. Mike's just driving that shit, man. It's it's just so awesome. So, I mean, we talk about songs that you would want to hear if it was your first time seeing Fish. They finish off this monster 28-minute version minute version of Down With Disease with The Lizard. Yeah. I don't care if it's your first show or your 300th show. Who doesn't love seeing The Lizard? Yeah, Lizards was my first favorite Fish song. Straight up. Absolutely. And it comes really flows super nicely out of this like mellow ambient outro. You know, it's like very seamless and they come into the intro to lizards. And I agree with you. It's uh, who it's a perfect placement for the song. And again, another song that people were super excited to hear. Yeah. And, you know, it's even more special, especially with the, you know, incredible outro solo in lizards, the quieter the the fan base is at that time the better lizard sound and, and, you know, you got the quiet Japan crowd. So, so you can feel the energy through the recording. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, so we go from the lizards and we get our first bout of John Fishman. He plays bike and to hold your head up. So first vacuum solo. How was that? Uh, it was great. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, if for, it was funny because, you know, for us being over there, you know, we've seen a million Fishman songs and we've seen his stick, uh, you know, a million times and it is what it is at some point. But to see the Japanese fans get to witness this for the first time, that was the that was the real piece of entertainment for us. It wasn't even what was going on on stage. It was how taken by the entire thing that the fan base was. Um, it was it was really quite amusing to to watch them watch Fishman do this. So it was it was funny, you know, and it ended with him running around the stage a bunch of times. And um, it's, it's great because, again, it's like you almost got the feeling that you were watching it for the first time through their eyes, you know. And so something that may be tired and whatever to us at this point or at that point in our lives had another had a certain amount of novelty to it because of where it was happening. Yeah, it's 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 definitely true. I took one of my best friends to his first fish show. He's 45 last summer at Blossom. And you know, it when you go with somebody who's seeing things for the first time, it, it transports you back to when it was you and it's just to see it through their eyes and watch them experience and he's like you know, we saw a, you enjoy myself. He's like, "Oh, they brought out the trampolines." They're like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, it's so awesome." And it's just you know that like you said that energy is infectious to be around so it is it really is you know i'm lighting up just thinking about it him saying that to me so uh and speaking of that we we close off this second set which really is i mean i i guess if you want to call if hold your head up is kind of with bike for me so it's four five song set it's four song set yeah i'm with you on that so yeah and then they close with you enjoy myself yeah and and this is a really good version as well. So uh, if you want to give your thoughts. Yeah, it's a great version. It's kind of uh, it's it's very different than the one they played at on air East, which was super laid back and had a lot of space in it and um, was very mellow, which was the encore that night. And uh, this one was much more upbeat and driving with Fishman, uh, excuse me, with Mike being up front you know, playing around with the, uh, the way I feel baseline that, you know, eventually Trey made into that, his own song. It's a, it's a high octane version and, and Trey's using like a, a 
tone he doesn't use very often. It, it certainly has a a unique vibe to it. Yeah, it it kind of has like this scratching, almost like hip hop type of beat. Yeah, to it's it. funny that you say that because it reminds me of the Worcester '98 Yem, which closed the last show of the tour, and uh, Trey uses the same scratching sound, and we would, we would call him DJ Trey on that version. And I was listening to it just before we were getting ready to do that, and I was like, he's doing that same exact tone, that like scratchy tone. Um, so that's funny you mentioned that. That's exactly what I think. Yeah, so great version, awesome set closer. And we do have to mention, I skip almost every single vocal jam, but this one you should listen to. So there's an entire vocal jam on the theme of puppy, where they are just yelling (laughs) puppy and puppies and all kinds of different stuff. And they are cracking up on stage. It is really, really funny stuff like. When they do when they do the cool themes in the vocal jams, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it very different and interesting rather than like yeah. time to get your water or something. So if you need a good laugh, check out the end of this. This You Enjoy Myself. But we'll play a clip uh, from the jam. So we're going to play that for you now. This is from You Enjoy Myself.
Okay. And then we encore with a song that was very prevalent during this time frame and very good most of the time in Gotta Jibu, which is a cool encore in my opinion. Yeah, definitely a rare placement for it. And, you know, ends the night on a super high energy vibe. This is very cool. So another great show. So I think it's I think it's 14 songs in this entire show. So one, two, three. Yeah, 14 show songs. Entire show. Set one, two, and encore. I mean, that's not a lot. I guess that's how you <laughs> I guess that's how you follow up uh drum logos if you're gonna play, you know, just 14 songs. So Yeah, man. Uh they really no letdown here. I mean, it kind of brought it once again and uh, you know, two straight up all time jams, you know, the next night. It's just as I mentioned, just like in a groove for this week and definitely uh we're we're trying to show, you know, new new fan base what they were all about. Yeah, it's uh you're not gonna find too many shows with two jams this strong. And and the You Enjoy Myself is no slouch either. So and then you got some cool songs like Frankie Says and Lizards. It's good stuff, man. So so luckily I told Miner to check out the sound check on this one because I listened the other day and I was laughing my ass off. So he's gonna help me out as we break down the sound check to finish up this episode. So the sound check starts off with heavy things, which is cut. It's only about two and a half minutes, and it's kind of nothing really to write home about, just a little bit of the end. Then Uncle Pen, which is a pretty straightforward uh, version. And then, as Dave told me, the Happy Whip and Dunk song is one of his favorites. So tell me. Absolutely. So go ahead. Go Uh, ahead. Yeah, I mean, when the Sicket disc came out in the summer of 99, we had it in our car for the tour, and we would play it you know, in all sorts of mind states and times and um, really got into that album a lot. You know, it's all just outtakes from their improvisational sessions up at the barn. And um, this was just one of them that really kind of stuck out for me. It's got a really cool guitar lick and it's kind of super dark. And, you know, this is the only this is the only other time I've seen it on anything other than the time they actually played it at Alpine 99, you know, tweezer mango, happy whip and dung to open the second set. And so it's just been a thing for me and, and a couple of my friends that would uh, travel together all the time. And so it was just funny when we were, I was listening to it to hear it again. And I guess they put some random lyrics over it cause it's not something that has lyrics usually, but they're in sound check and just messing around and they're singing over it. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, I, I love the sick at disc and it was one of my favorite tracks on it. Yeah. And it I tried to make out what Trey was saying during it. And it's pretty much gibberish. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Fishman was singing, too. I, I couldn't really figure I couldn't I wasn't really picking up on the words they were saying. But it is it does have the the real theme of of Happy Whip and Dung song. And it's cool as hell. I'm with you. And it's it's awesome to hear because it's so rare. Yeah. So and then it comes. I guess I don't know. I guess I don't want to say at the start because the, the happy whip and, and dung is. But if you want to laugh and you like goofy sound checks and we had it in the last episode, there was a crazy Windora bug where Trey's riffing and going all crazy with the reggae beat. But this one goes a whole nother level. <laughs> so this is like nine minutes and 30 seconds long. And it's the second straight Windora bug in the in the sound check. And it's got this cool synth intro that's kind of different to it. And the themes that Trey talks about is I don't want to ruin too much. You got to spin it all, but you may not. You got to pay attention because you got to catch everything. Yeah. So there is 
go ahead. Yeah, I know. It's just funny. I mean, it's like a vehicle for comedy at that point, you know, like I'm sure they're still mixing levels at the board on some level and, you know, working things out. But at this point, they're just uh, he's just he's just being funny and, and ripping on his friends and whatnot. It's it's super fun. So some of the themes, I'll just give you the themes that you need to look out for. So Trey talks about how fucked up he got the night before and says that he shouldn't have said that. He said that Brad Sands saves his ass. They, there's a little bit about tequila. Uh, there's, and then there's an, about how Brad was amateur hour the night before with his drinking, which is hilarious. But the huge fight or the huge thing is there's a whole like three minute section where Trey talks about a fight that's going to take place between Pete Carini and manager John Beluska. <laughs> and I'm not going to say any more, but it is hysterical. There's Trey discusses the stakes that are involved in this fight, what's going to go down and who gets to sleep with Cynthia. I mean, it is some hilarious, hilarious fish. And this is one of the reasons we do this podcast when we get gems like this. Yeah. It's funny to just get glimpses, you know, behind the scenes like this. Um, you know, that we don't usually get to hear or witness. So I agree with you. It is, it is quite, quite entertaining. Yeah. It's, you got to, this gives you a glimpse of what the band was doing in Japan partying. So, I mean, like you said, it's pretty cool to hear some of that. Yeah. So Dave, uh, that's big cat, man. Um, Unless you got any other memories we've got. uh, Ah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly what we did after this show. I just, uh, I remember the show for sure, but everything else is, as I said, getting a little hazy on this trip. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to play the sound check for you here, Dave. It was a pleasure having you back on. You'll be back with one more, making your fourth appearance on the daily sound check. Look forward to it. We have another great show and another great sound check coming up. So, Dave, thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. So here's our sound check. Heavy Things, Uncle Pen, The Happy Whip and Dung Song, Windora Bug from June 15, 2000 at Big Cat in Osaka, Japan. This will close us out for the end of the show. So everyone enjoy your fish and peace be the journey.
This is Mike Ganser of Aqueous letting you know the Daily Soundcheck is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris connects you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about the artists and topics you love. Visit OsirisPod.com to check out our shows. Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Check them out at Jambase.com.